I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to episode 27 of the Autocar Podcast, My Week in Cars, with me, Matt Pryor, and a man I heard described earlier this week as the godfather of motoring journalism. Did you see that, Steve? I saw it. You should have seen the god-awful picture. <laughs> really? It's Steve Cropley. Hello, Steve. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Very well, very well. Uh, tell us about uh, tell us about this godfather of motoring journalism. You, uh, you had a chat with a mate of ours, didn't you? Well, um, it was a thing that was run on at, run at Caffeine and Machine. They do this thing called I Love You, Man, which is a sort of gathering of blokes. Um, although there were some women there, in fact, it was mm. interesting. And the idea is to just talk about your life and your challenges, and I think it helps people, in particular people who have had a bit of a hard time either recently or in life. And, mm. and uh, I don't know how much good it did them to hear from me because I as I always say I'm luckier than any other 10 people so <laughs> but you know I rattled on and they very kindly chucked some money into the pot and we send it to the Salvation Army so that's good super result Excellent. result well over the next half hour or so Steve and I will be talking about our respective autocar columns and other things automotive quite a lot to talk about this week quite a lot of important stuff it feels to talk yeah about i think this week, so which is yeah. cool. um and also your correspondence you can write to us autocar at haymarket.com on the email and uh i've got an email from james i'm gonna have to look up your surname james while i do this but anyway he says hope you're doing well gents to me it seems like the increasing technical complexity and cost of modern cars outweighs literally and metaphorically the benefits you'd expect to gain whether that's in ordinary cars or supercars as such, do you think peak car has been achieved already? If so, I'd like to hear your thoughts on what it might be, e.g. the best mix of performance, practicality, cost, usability, etc. What do you reckon, Steve? Have we reached peak car yet? Oh, and no, I certainly hope not. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, very, it's very different, but... Uh, I mean, life's going to be very different, but I would trust the people that you and I know and that, that we try and talk about in the magazine and on the website to progress things they the thing that i always take comfort from is that they always said when we 
expressed our own doubts about the future for electric cars. They always said, look, the customer is never going to accept less. Mm. We're always going to try and improve the experience. Whatever happens, we are going to try and improve the experience. And I do find that I consider the experience to be improved. I mean, there are times when I'm driving around in a car with a nice engine and I think, God, that's a bit of a funny noise. You know, I wonder I wonder whether I'll always think it's good to have a this all this sort of commotion going on or mm. whether I'll just change my point of view. Yeah. And there are a lot of people whose livelihoods depend on us wanting what they make, isn't there? So Yeah, and it, and the other of course the other thing is that the the motor industry has to go on making profits in yeah. order to fund its future. Yeah. I really feel passionately about that. Yeah. yeah. So we basically James James Good, thanks for your note. Basically we hope not. Is the short of it. Uh, so, Steve, on to your column. Monday, and new car has arrived at yours. It's a Ford Ranger Raptor. Indeed. Not, not, an, not an EV. It's got, a, it's got a V6 now, like it should have had always. Yes. It, um, in fact, two cars arrived at once, a Jeep Wrangler and, a, and the Raptor. And the annoyance is that either one would have been fantastic because I wanted to focus on 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 either singly, but, but I found myself sort of driving up and down the road in both of them trying to and you you're inevitably led especially with cars like that mm. to some sort of comparison and of course yeah. they are completely damn different aren't yeah. they the, the the jeep is a two liter turbo car with a that sort of leaps over every bump but is fantastic at going through plowed fields mm. uh and the raptor is i don't know what it's, a, it's <laughs> sort of a, it's just a but the one I finished up liking, really liking, was the Ford just because of the... I've always had a fixation about dampers, and this has mm. got about the... These dampers are worth half the cost of your house, aren't yeah, they? So. these Fox live valve dampers, aren't they? And they're really trick. Yeah. I've, funnily enough, by complete coincidence, and you may not know this, that Matt Saunders, the road test editor, and I spent last Friday in a quarry with both of those cars. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing oh, well, back, it, mate, you're the one with the... Tell well, me, tell me well, everything. exactly what you think. The Wrangler is derived, you know, is, is made to go across ploughed fields and its axle articulation is tremendous and at low speed off-road, phenomenal. And the Ford, with those dampers, gets better the faster and faster yeah. you go. And I don't... I don't know. Are you thinking about buying one or the other? Is it on your mind? Um, not not the other. I I think I could imagine um, I could imagine buying a, a a Raptor just because it would be the craziest thing I ever did. Yeah. I think I told before this tale about how I've got this redundant camper van. It's worth about forty five grand. Silly amount of money to have sitting in the backyard mm. when you when you go away. You'd rather stay in hotels. We need to quit it. And I was going to buy an electric car, and the missus said. Well, don't forget that if you you know you're really going to do something stupid, this is your opportunity. If yeah. not now, when and all that. Yeah. And that set me thinking about the the Raptor, and I, you know, I've had it for a day now, mm. whatever it is, a day, two days. And I will drive it a lot over the weekend, and I hope it snows, and I hope it's you know, that I just want it to some sort of justification to come out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. But I don't. I doubt if there is one. I'm not, I'm not sure. It feels... I quite, mean, you know this, don't you? Well, I left it filthy on Friday because I drove it away from this quarry and I thought, if people see me in this car, they're going to they're gonna look at me and go, who and what on earth is that? I thought, if, at least if I leave it complete, I'll just clean the headlights and the, and, the, and the number plates. And at least people will go, oh, well, fine, yeah, I can see why he's got that, you know, and uses it properly. 
And but I you really... did drive around in the. You, you did. You you owned in parentheses you, yeah. uh, in quotation marks. You owned the diesel, the previous model, for yeah. six months, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and enjoyed it a lot. Enjoyed yeah, I read lot. all the stories. I just, read all the stories. And it just gets like I say that that. The new suspension on the on the new one, but also the old one, because it's developed by Ford in Australia predominantly. It goes at high speed over long distances, and that's where it really comes into its own. Gets better the faster you go off road, if you like. Wow! And I'm not sure if the UK has enough spaces like that for the average buyer. I mean, if you own a farm, you know, yeah. sure you you would get to the, you know, if somebody says you know oh crikey you've got to come to the bottom field because a cow's got its head stuck in a fence you can get there really quite quickly in, <laughs> in one of those much yeah. quicker than in than in a wrangler but i have a big soft spot for the jeep yeah and but a, i mean i think that that sort of justification stuff goes just as well for lambos doesn't it oh I mean, totally yeah 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 because you because yeah. you know you can drive it you can drive you know, down the M4, thinking, but if I was on the Futa yeah. Pass, I'd really give it something. Yeah, and it, that, you're. Ex- I think you're exactly right in that the the Raptor feels like a focused sports car, but its purpose is on a different sort of track to a mid-engine Lamborghini. Yeah, but yeah, you. There are times when I feel as out of place in one as both. Yeah, and I. I sort of think I would get into a Wrangler's sphere more easily in the UK because you can go down a green lane at. 15 miles an hour and with a Wrangler you could take the doors off and drop the windscreen and take the roof Matt off and it's a real Saunders had one didn't didn't he didn't he run one for a while I ran, I ran ran one for a bit and I think maybe he did too but yeah I I ran one um I think 2020 I had one for a little oh, while Oh really I'd forgotten yeah. that or it was a it was one, sometimes we got those cars during the during the pandemic we got one and then lockdowns happened and nobody came to take them back oh, but yes, it, was, yes. it may have been something like that but I, I think they're cool I think they're really well, cool well they, they do have I mean a Jeep does have a huge amount of integrity and a mm. huge amount of traction doesn't it because mm. one thing I did do was near me there's a <clears throat> there's a pretty much a bottomless field and I and and I drove just for a few hundred yards on this stuff and uh, oh it's it's unstoppable yeah totally yeah and I and I really admire that and they sell a lot of them in the you know 200,000 a year I think they sell which is and if I if I lived in the states I would have one as my daily I think because you've got the space yeah. to use it anywhere and they, it doesn't feel out of place I'm very like American both. I'm intrigued to know what you do Steve with this with your <laughs> with this I'm still, well we'll come back to it more I'm yep. sure oh god yeah. yeah well we'll see the the interesting thing will be to see what the steering committee thinks of it mm. we have run a big um, pickup before we had a a, a Merc, you know, a big white Merc. What were they oh, called? Oh yes, yeah, the X one class, that was, was it? yeah, the one that was sort of based on the Nissan Navara. Navara, yeah. and and she liked it, and we enjoyed it, and we were forever getting saluted by builders whenever we went, <laughs> you know, past some uh, past some some building site, and it was good. We enjoyed mm. it, and yeah. it carried a fair amount of junk in the back. They're intensely practical, aren't they? I mean, I know yeah. they're big. I've parked I've parked the Raptor in the car park opposite the office today and I've gone all the way up to the top floor to try and find a sort of space that I can cram it at the end of a row so I can you know I can absolutely make sure it's out of the way of everything but because they're what 5.3 meters long something like that yeah 5.4 5.4 and two I meters think wide that must have been an adventure really mustn't it because I mean that car park it happens to be above the, the Twicken and Waitrose is was was built for Morris Miners oh, wasn't yeah, it yeah yeah I've left it there and I've let the guys from what car get it back down again <laughs> it's, up <laughs> to them. it's up to them to get it out i'll just put it in so a little challenge yeah, exactly uh tuesday in your column 
let's talk EU legislation and it's not silence but the quietness from UK manufacturers on uh, the exemptions that some EU yeah, it, manufacturers want. The, it seems to me the, the EU was about to put into law this thing about um, uh, outlawing EV, uh, outlawing ICE cars from 2035, mm. 2030 in our case, but 2035 over there. And at the last minute, deputations from Germany and Italy, and suspected to be uh, backed by Porsche, which is mm-hmm. a, a big maker of ICE yeah. engines, and Ferrari, you know, important. Porsche also a, a big researcher in, in sustainable fuels. Mm. They've come over the horizon at the last minute and said, look, uh, <clears throat> we're not going to sign this um, until there's some sort of exclusion for synthetic and zero carbon fuels or, or sustainable fuels. Mm. And that's where we rest. And, it, and it's amazing to me that McLaren, who to us were saying stuff about these fuels probably three, four years ago, mm. And Aston Martin, who would also benefit, I believe, from their owners being able to use that stuff, have so far been quiet. And, mm. I, you know, I would have thought, I mean, I know they're not in the EU and this is EU legislation we're talking about, but they sure as hell sell a lot of cars in the EU. Yeah. And I would have thought they'd have a voice on it. But, yeah. but uh, maybe between this stuff being written and, you know, people hearing this podcast, there will be something. But yeah, maybe. It's a prize, I must mm. say. Yeah, and it's so that at the moment, if you in the regulate in the proposed regulations, if you sell fewer than a thousand cars in Europe, you're a micro in the EU. You're a micro manufacturer, and therefore out of scope of the regs. That's it. But by the time 2035 comes around, you would think both Aston and McLaren would like to be. I'm not sure they are. They must be at the moment, mustn't they? I don't know how many cars they. I don't know whether. Well, McLaren probably doesn't sell enough cars in the EU to. McLaren in, does in about the, in the for, scope. What five, six thousand, something like that. Five, five, five or six thousand in a good year. I'm not sure yeah, where they are now. I'm not sure where they are now. But and Aston was heading for ten, wasn't it? Really, it was at one point. But I thought they were, I thought they were sort of six and a half. At yeah, yeah. Last year. But anyway, the short of, of it is, they, you would think they'd like to be yeah. in the scope of the regulations. You would. Yeah. My understanding is there isn't enough. We've had Richard Lane out talking, finding out more about synthetic fuels last week so he'll tell me more my understanding was there isn't enough space to make enough for everybody but you could turn it out at four quid a litre in enough volume for sort of exclusive expensive manufacturers yeah is that your understanding yeah but um but everything i just keep thinking everything changes doesn't it you know i bet you when we're talking about this in a year's time We'll so we'll have talked to to people who say, "Oh no, no, that's different, mate." Now yeah. you know it will change. It'll 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 all progress, I believe. Yeah. But also, and the other thing, because Porsche are making making uh, synthetic fuels out of rubbish dumps and all that sort of yeah. stuff, aren't they? Yeah. And there's a fair bit of it goes on in Korea too, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, but of course, none of that stops any of this. You know, continent-wide legislation doesn't stop some city turning around and going, "Well, you're not coming in." Yeah, forget it. Yeah. yeah. So they've all got to do something electrically zero completely zero yeah. emission one would assume because somebody would just say no we don't like the noise and we don't like any emissions so it goes back to our point nothing. last week which is to you know everybody should just buy a three three cylinder i10 and drive to about 2035 <laughs> and, and, yeah, and wait for 12 see where we are <laughs> see where we are then <laughs> what about this story in your column mate the one uh, the because that's another big issue to me mm-hmm. the, the 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 business of road pricing and 
Oh, yeah. One part of the government not responding to the other part of the government. Well, shall we? I'll tell you what, shall we do that next? Yeah. All right, we'll do it. So, a very quick uh, commercial break, and we'll be back to chat Mike Oldham in just a second. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Right, welcome back to My Week in Cars, where um, a second ago, Steve, you were teeing up my column very kindly. Very nice of me. Well, I think it's a big issue. Well, I do wonder in that we've had a... We ran a story this week uh, by John Evans, our... um, really good journalist correspondent on this sort of thing who said that the transport select committee has this week been crossed with jeremy hunt at the treasury because they haven't taken he hasn't taken their report they made last year very seriously about road pricing where they've said look road pricing should come because when we're all driving evs we're not going to be buying fuel and um there's no ved on or not much ved on low emission vehicles at the moment and that's going to create a big black hole in the treasury's budget which is and your point is i think you you've expressed it really well in the column where you say those of us who continue to drive petrol cars you know 85 percent of us will be paying the taxes for 100 percent of people well yes i mean it depends what it depends how much we'll be we'll be paying if if fuel duty remains the same then just the tax will will go down and yeah, it, yeah but at the moment it's four percent of all tax revenue it's about 35 billion quid yeah and that isn't you know that doesn't get it doesn't fix potholes no know, no that's not what it's used for it's the old schools and hospitals isn't it yeah 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 and so yeah. it needs uh, you know so they've said look rightly it needs you need to worry about where this you know what's going to fill this hole and They've suggested road pricing is a way to do it. They've asked a lot of witnesses. They've asked a lot of. Uh, they've made a big report last year, and the, Jeremy Hunt and the Treasury have not done very much with it. But the Chancellor did say last week. He said road pricing is not currently on our agenda, and we've got better things to worry about at the moment, which the committee was pretty huffy about. So, yeah, you know, God, we went to all this trouble, and you've ignored it completely. It's like being at. It's like being at home and talking to your teenage children. Well, that's <laughs> nobody. I'm banging on about it, and nobody's listening. What's yeah. going on? But they did say in this report, and I've spoken to engineers about this, and I know Andy English, another journalist, has, has covered this too. I've spoken to engineers who say, if we, the committee says you can't price electricity because the electricity supplier doesn't know whether you're running your dishwasher or filling your car. But the car will know how much electricity has gone into it. And the same telematics system that the committee is proposing you would use for road pricing because it knows where the car is how many miles it's driven when it's been used and so on and so forth the same system knows how much electricity has gone in and out of it so if you're using the infrastructure to the and it's all digital it doesn't require any sure. you know yeah. it doesn't require roadside cameras or anything if you're if you're setting up infrastructure to know where a car has gone you would also know how much electricity has gone into it and people don't like road pricing do they people don't like road pricing because they worry one, there's the sort of general privacy issue yeah. that you know. Well, I don't want, I don't, I don't want Big Brother knowing where I am or where I've been all the time. But also, they worry that actually, 
I use these roads, I don't have an option about it, I've got this busy life to go from here to here, I've got to take the kid to football practice, come home again, go and visit Gran and drop off her shopping, then I come back, I can't take the bus for all of that, but if I use a road that you don't want me to, you would charge me a lot to do it. And that's what people worry about, I think, with road pricing. Yes, yeah, some, somebody moving the levers up yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't the, understand how normal, yeah. how your lives work. I think that's a serious concern. I think too. it's a real concern for people. I think it's an unpopular policy, and I think some politicians realise it's a really unpopular policy, so they don't want to use it. But you can, my understanding is, and I'd love to know if, you, if anybody listening knows a specific technical reason why this can't work. If the car knows how much electricity has gone into it, you could use the same mechanism that you would charge road pricing to charge on the electricity. Yeah. And then you own, you're not taxing dishwashers or irons, you're only taxing car use because the car knows how much electricity has gone into it. You bill, that, you bill the person who pays the bill like you would bill it for road pricing and you yeah. work it out that way. And then it's only taxed on the amount of energy you use, yeah. which is the fair bit, isn't it? That is the fair bit. I think yeah. it is, absolutely is. Yeah. But maybe there's a technical reason it can't that I don't that I don't know but my understanding is you can some engineers have said the only difficulty about it is transparency you know you have to know that the car is telling the truth yeah and with dieselgate in the last decade maybe legislators are afraid that cars might not tell the truth mm. about how much electricity goes in and out but there are you would have thought ways you can uh, you can check for it and you can make sure it is telling the truth by, you know, any time a car does plug into a charger that's connected to the internet, which is quite quite often. And you also, could, I you mean... Could, you, could, you know, you could make sure there's parity between those two numbers. Yeah. I mean, we, we've tied our backsides to, to the digital age. God, mm. you know, we're going to have to... You can't design another system. You're just going to have to, I think, yeah. sort of accept it and perfect it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, for me, charging on the amount of energy you use is the fair system Key. rather Absolutely. than the roads you have to use when you have to use them. Yep. Because also, you know, if I if somebody's running if I decide to run an SUV and I only go on and road pricing comes in and some roads are cheaper than others and I happen to only use cheap roads, but I go in an SUV that uses an awful lot of energy and I end up paying less tax than somebody who does fewer miles in a more efficient car but they have to use roads that are more expensive. Well, that's not fair, is it? No. So, it's it's anyway. it's it's absolutely unfair, yeah. as well. But I don't know. But I don't know where it's where it's going. Yeah, what's going to happen? Well, I mean, what? this gives you a view of all. The, I mean, there are going to be some fascinating decisions over the next few years, aren't there? Mm. They just have to be. Yeah, it's really it must be scary being a being. You know, for all that we take the Michael out of them, it must be quite <laughs> scary being uh, being in charge of making laws and making laws that will last a long time. Yeah, you know, making legislation about fuel duty that might last for. Well, when was VED and fuel duty first introduced? I mean, and we've still got that as policies. Yeah. Decades, decades later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nothing gets repealed, isn't it? No, That's I mean, rather, it? Oh, you're right. Rather them than me having to make it. Yeah. So yeah, let's hope they make the decisions separately and sensibly and wisely. <laughs> yeah. um, Jeff writes from Sydney, Australia. Uh, he's written before, actually. Hello again, Jeff. He says, um, interesting to hear your comments and from others of quoting power and torque figures for vehicles in Imperial versus metric, which we talked about the other week. Yeah. He says, um, I've always found it amusing when pumping up my car tyres at my local petrol station that 99% of the time the previous user has set the machine to Imperial, PSI, rather than metric, uh, KPA, which given... Australia moved to imperial measurements in 1971. Yeah. <laughs> Shows people have taken a long time to 
to yeah, reset. Yeah, yeah, I was still there, but it, I remember the convert the the uh, the move to metric, and mm. uh, it's actually helpful to me because I I've just got this kind of conversion in my head. I kind of I can I can do the sums without effort. It's great. Without effort, there's yeah. a lot there's a lot for pressure, aren't there? PSI bar KPA. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm a PSI bloke, I've got to say. Yeah, but well, P- I suppose the graduation, the, the, the units are smaller, so you can be more accurate, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I've always thought about 30 yeah. is about okay, whereas I, with bar, I'm not, well, I don't know, two-ish? Yeah, like. two-ish. I don't know. 14.7 anyway. by something, yeah. yeah. Anyway, thank you, Jeff. Uh, you can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. I think we've still got a few mugs left, actually, for anybody who has something read out so i wonder if i could score one everybody keeps asking me if i got a mug i bet you haven't got one either i haven't got one either mate i've seen one in the office yeah yeah well when our our esteemed editor drinks his coffee every morning out of one doesn't he He does yeah he does right let's move on um to a piece in your column about morgan you've been speaking to the new gaffer yeah sorry is he a new gaffer is he a new well he's 10 months into the job okay and he's the ceo Mm -hmm. italian bloke comes from Audi via Ferrari and Lamborghini, but his his um, value to them, it turns out, is um, that he understands the international market for cars, and he mm-hmm. believes that Morgan can do a hell of a lot better by um, getting into particularly the US market with the Super 3, the three-wheeler, okay. followed later by the plus cars, so the plus four and plus six. And also to do much more in the southern med, which is where he comes from, and he he's Italian, so he okay. would. That's Massimo Fumarola. Fumarola, yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Mm. Um, he he's interesting bloke. You know, he's brought up in Milan. Apparently, the the neighbour was um, was the chairman of the Italian Morgan Owners Club. Oh. So as a sprog, he was uh, he was subjected to quite a lot of sort of harangued about Morgans <laughs> and uh, so he's, he's he feels that he's got it in the blood yeah but young blokes he's not he's not chasing the youngsters when it comes to sales is that right well the thing is I mean I would say this at my advanced age wouldn't I but <laughs> but the, the thing is he's just he's just aware that the people who buy frivolous cars such as Morgans or um, Raptors for that matter yeah. you know are, are, tend to be well along in their lives and they they're the ones who can afford these cars and mm. to to uh, uh, sort of bang on about youth culture and all the rest of it is is a bit beside the point and in any case he says drive a morgan you feel young oh, and that's like not that. a bad point yeah that's not a bad point at all yeah that's not it's interesting that isn't it because the average age of buyers for a lot of a lot of manufacturers don't shout about the average age of buyers for their cars do they but no. with sports cars it does tend to be at least 50 plus doesn't it quite often yeah <clears throat> but it's interesting uh, that it, the likes of Rolls Royce and Bentley who to are now selling in sort of China mm-hmm. aspirational the, the 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 age is plummeting apparently oh okay uh, you know the Rolls Royce will tell you that you know their Chinese buyers are 30 mm. amazing it is amazing it is amazing quite hopeful if you if you're sitting on top of that business you know you must uh well, yeah, make you feel good. Yeah, because instead of having a limited number of buyers who are only ever advancing in years, you've suddenly got because that's what they all sort of chase ideologically, don't they? I mean, you get it with radio stations going, oh yeah, we or you know media outlets, we should chase the younger buyer who, frankly, isn't interested most of the time. But yeah. maybe if the, maybe if they are, that's that's all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, 
Have you ever have you owned a Morgan? No, never. I I sort of thought about it, but I I got obsessed with lotuses, and uh, mm. you know if you you follow one track, you 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 sort of ignore another one. But I I, I often think I should have owned a Morgan, but I I sort of liked them a bit better when they were simpler and cruder. Mm. And and now the you know there are three models, aren't there? The plus four, the plus six, and the Super Three, and they're I could imagine owning Super Three if I had space for it and all that. Yeah. But it, but um, but the the plus cars are now quite quite uh, you know expensive and well equipped and all mm. those things that don't go with cutaway doors and <laughs> you know and I can remember doing this trip from Sydney to Melbourne in Australia and we, mm. we you know Robbo and I and we and we it was bucketing all the way. It doesn't rain much, but it. It rained every mile, and we, we we were making these cracks about how you needed windscreen wipers on both sides of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine owning a Super Three if I didn't ride a motorbike. Yeah, I think, and I think they they when I went to the factory last year, they said they get a lot of people who used to ride adventure bikes. Yeah, and who moved to a, a Super Three because it's well, you you can take your other half, and they don't complain about being no. quite so sore and you can have a conversation and it's a bit more habitable yeah but they still love doing big adventures in them yeah the ex- cool. expedition thing is hot yeah. and strong isn't it I, yeah. I do think that's um that well they've got evidence to support it haven't they you know mm. loads of there's sort of platoons of people who have driven them across america and so on yeah yeah you yeah. can buy you can buy a super three in the states then can you presumably you will be able to right. yeah i think the the aim is to try and do, you know i think they said they've got 16 dealers in the u.s okay and these dealers have been active even though there weren't many cars around. Oh, I bet that could be a massive market for them out there. Yeah, Because they do so. like those sort of Can-Am trikes and things like that, don't they, yeah. in the US? I think they're, they're being careful at the moment. They're talking about, you know, three, four hundred Super 3s and, you know, a quarter of those being American. So I, I think they, they're they just taking it easy. Mm. But Because uh, apart from anything else, that getting them made at, Malvern Link is is a bit of an issue because yeah. I guess they're constrained on on uh, factory space. Yeah, I went for the first time last year. Oh, did never you been, love yeah, it? Yeah, never been before. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, really cool and lovely to see it being put together. And the new, well, I don't know how new it is, but they've sort of got the showroom and cafe and stuff out the front, and it's yeah. just yeah, it's a lovely place yeah, to visit go. Visitor centre, as yeah. they call it. Yeah, yeah there's a museum there, isn't there as well? Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that they. They have, I think, I think I read just a day or two ago that they have thirty thousand visitors every year yeah. who just do the factory tour. They arrive in coaches these days. That's it's cool. a, it's a sort of major Malvern uh, tourist attraction. Oh, Let's go cool. to the Morgan factory. And they arrive for the day, and there's a whole platoon of, 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 of um, um, guides, and they get walked around. They sit in the cafe, and they buy buy the Morgan book, and then That's they go home. Good, isn't it? That's pretty cool. I like that. Oh, and the other thing you can do mm. is hire one, of course. Oh, They've of course. got this big hire fleet. You can just take one away for half a day. That's nice. And if somebody can buy you one for Christmas, or you know, it's, cool. it's a good idea. Yeah, it is a lovely. No idea. wonder it. No wonder it's a popular place. Yeah, yeah. Thursday, Adrian Newey's book. Oh, mate. <laughs> when when Red Bull did what they did, I just thought, how do these boys do this? Because mm. you know everything's supposed to have changed. Everybody's got a new car, and yet the the order is the same. And I've always wondered what Adrian Newey's like. All I've ever done is shake his hand and listen to him 
in a short lecture talking about his dad and mm-hmm. you know the mini coopers his lotus lands his dad used to take to pieces so i thought and this book's been out since 2017 and i did sort of take a look through it when it came out but i thought right i'm going to read this every word and i started reading it and i just mesmerized by this book because it's it's so sort of engaging really that he, he comes across as an extremely nice bloke mm-hmm. modest great writer as well that's the, the i think the, the thing that cheeses you off the most <laughs> is that he just turns a brilliant phrase without oh, no. without having any any sort of put uh, without boasting any yeah. hacking skills at all he's just just a bloke that can do everything oh that's annoying could you just leave that bit to us that's the one thing i thought when people go these engineers they know what they're doing they can make cars i think yeah but could they turn 1200 words by tomorrow morning yeah Yeah, but it turns out they can yeah well it's a long book and Mm. and but honestly i'm about two-thirds of the way through and i'm really enjoying it and and it makes me think i've i was just banging on about my other hero who's who's this bloke that wrote uh, sailed around the world called joshua slocum my favorite book in the world is a thing called sailing alone around the world published in 1900 by this bloke of of what comes across in the copy of sort of equal achievement and equal modesty mm. and i i love those com- that combination so i when the opportunity comes to meet adrian newey whenever it is i'm gonna Ask him the question, what's it like to be described as the Michelangelo of motorsport? <laughs> and his book's called How to... Ma- How to Build a Car. How to Build a Car. And yeah. he's got, he's just got uh, chapters about all of his winners up to the middle of the teen, the mid-teens mm-hmm. of... It's all obviously gone, but he's well into the Red Bull era. Oh, cool. But all the Williamses and all the Maccas, mm-hmm. you know. Great book. And a pretty important part in the Aston Valkyrie, which yeah. we've just run reports on this week, haven't we? Yes, he, he, he refers to it, um, but not in with the detail that he could. So, mm. you know, it would be interesting to talk to him about that. Because yeah, they're cooking it? up another one, aren't they, Red Bull? Oh, well, they? Another, oh, yes, they are. Another yes, hypercar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be fair and square Red Bull technology. No no um, input from anyone else, oh, I believe. Yeah, that will be interesting. The the one fact that I loved about the Valkyrie when I was first told about it is that they go through the rule book for what you have to do to build a road car. And somebody, and I think he said, well, what's the minimum size you have to have for a high visibility brake light or something, or fog light or whatever? High, no, the, well, the, the top brake light, I yeah, think. Yeah. And some, you, do you know this? No. Know this. no, no. And somebody said, well, there appears to be no minimum size, but it has to have the little CE mark on it somewhere. So they said, well, okay, make it that size. So that's the size <laughs> it is. It's just big enough to have the the, 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 the approval mark on it, and that's it. That's, yeah. that's as oh, big as I it is. I love that stuff. And that's the kind of, you know, the, the kind of clever stuff that, you know, most of us don't, wouldn't occur to us. Yeah. It just wouldn't occur that's, to us. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Two more things. We've probably got time for them both. Friday, Alcantara on a car Oh, I just, I've just got this. I, I just love it. I same. don't know why. Yeah, same. Just makes particularly on steering wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had this. Um, I don't know. You probably don't remember it. We had this dopey old Peugeot three hundred nine, which which um, Colin Goodwin bought for two hundred fifty quid off the eBay. one that we turned into a truck yeah. car. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, painted green. Yeah, and that had an Alcantara steering wheel. Yeah, and I always remember it so fondly mm. uh, because you know it, it just fits in the hand so beautifully. And and uh, the other 
the Astra, which I have now, the Astra Fev uh, plug-in hybrid that I have now, is has got Astra uh, Alcantara seats. To, JLR seems to refer to this stuff as suede cloth. There must yep. be some sort of yeah. Armco problem. Alcantara is a yes, is a trademark of Alcantara, right. and I think other manufacturers exist. And there was a shortage of it two, three years ago ah. because so many manufacturers wanted it that they could only and they could only make so much. Right. That, um, yeah, it was, and then some, you say to some manufacturers, oh, "Are you affected by supply?" And they were like, "No, we're Porsche's GT department. They give us as much as we like." Oh, I see. But yes, yeah, so other manufacturers may use an imitation of Alcantara, or you know, the same a version. Yeah, a whatever. Version yeah, yeah. I I agree. Mate. It's it's so much. It's just the nicest thing to make a steering wheel. Yeah, for, completely. It's yeah, totally, totally agree. I'm a bit surprised that the likes of of the. You know, the Morgan Super 3 does not have an Alcantara steering wheel, I know. Can you spec one? Maybe it's I don't not, think so. Maybe it's not waterproof enough. No. Because everything's up to motorbike waterproof standards, isn't yeah. it, on the Super 3? Yeah, perhaps it's that. Maybe there is a... Th yeah, I'd like that. I'd Me like too. that very much. And last but not least, we'll have to post a picture online when this column goes up. James Hunt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just talking... I've got this mate who uh, called Andrew Ryan who... He's Irish, and I only know him via the electronics. Mm. But he's a bloke that he's an absolute specialist in in old advertisements, and he found this photograph of James Hunt full page ad, saying something like, "I've forgotten now." God, I mean, we'll have to depend on the illustration. But it says something like, um, "Did you see? Did you email it to me?" Because I it'll did. Be my, it'll it, be in my inbox. You keep talking, and I'll. But find I think it. it's. It, I mean, it's a Chevette ad, and it's mm. a big mugshot of. James Hunt, and it says, um, "Even world champions love Chevettes or something like oh, that." Oh, that's right. Yes, the, the, yeah. the Chevette driving. Yeah, and he was a yeah. He drove a Chevette and a. Do you have an A thirty five van? He had it? an A thirty five van. Yeah, that's, that's right. Cool, wasn't it? And I just like the notion that he he understood. You know, I, I was trying to refer to the the fact that you know you and I and, and some of our colleagues were standing around on, on in a car park in near Salisbury weren't we mm. with a bunch of cheap cars thinking isn't it great not you know the whole lot of these costs about as much as a, a bog standard Audi you know yeah 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 and all I, I like all that yeah I do too I do too it's the it's the and, future and you and I and the others we, we, you know we're all hopping about from one foot to the other so you know telling one another what a great time we were having yeah with these cars that I enjoyed driving a Hyundai i10 down to Salisbury Plain and around on Salisbury Plain as much as I've enjoyed driving pretty much anything else. There you go. Year. I mean, and that is a mouthful when yeah. you think about it, isn't it? Yeah. So correspondent James Good, who wrote to us earlier, has peak car arrived? Well, for me, Hyundai i10 will do. That's fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine by me. Well said, mate. Yeah. I second it. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of My Week in Cars for episode 27. Steve and I will be back this time next week. In the meantime, you can find... There's a Ferrari Puro Sangway video and feature up on the website. There is uh, an Aston Valkyrie drive. Um, you can find them in the MAG2. The Autocar Electric podcasts will be back soon. I think there's a new BMW M podcast coming soon as well, which Richard Lane's going to be interviewing Frank Van Meel, the CEO of BMW oh, wow. M. Actually, we might play some of that, I think, on this pod in a few weeks' time. Yeah, I'd like to um, hear that stuff. Yeah, me too. But you can find us at autocart.co.uk. You can find the mag on digital subscription or in print every week, as it has been since 1895. See you next time. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.